defenses. Initiate bird protocol. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another week of Bird Protocol. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Palm Reader. I'm here with Otis. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going good. And 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 even, even better this week, we have a returning guest who picked the movie mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. We have uh, the phenomenal uh, rapper and uh, creative Emerson Corleone. Emerson, welcome to the show again. Yo, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back, seriously. Uh, well, we're, yeah, we're happy to have you back. And, uh, and we were tickled by your choice of film this week because, uh, well, firstly, I don't think, uh, either Otis and I had watched this in like at least 10 years. Yeah. It's been probably, I remember the last time I watched it was probably first year of university. So yeah, closer to 10 years. Um, you're, you're a little bit loud. You want to pull the, uh, pull the mic back? Just a tiny okay. bit. All right, perfect. There you go. Much better. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a long time. Uh, Emerson, why don't you introduce the movie for this week? Absolutely. So for this week, we'll be talking about True Romance, Tony Scott's True Romance. Absolute classic, written by Tar- Quentin Tarantino. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a banger. 1993. It's like a crime action romance film directed by the late Tony Scott. And I believe it was Tarantino's either his first or his second script that was bought. Um, Something like that. Yeah, This is like his first script that like he probably, I think it was like the first one he ever wrote, but then, you know, he ended up making Reservoir Dogs and then he just didn't really want to make this film. So then Tony Scott. So it's just still pure 90s though. Well, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was, it was either that he had wrote this and then did work on, um, was it natural born killers that he, yeah, he, well, Tarantino wrote natural born killers, but then Oliver Stone heavily, heavily changed it to the point where like Tarantino has kind of like disowned that movie, but like this like true romance is still very much Tarantino. Like the dialogue, the characters is very, very Tarantino. Like Christian Slater's character is a stand in for Tarantino. Yeah. It's hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, so this movie is, is as, uh, as Otis said, it is a, uh, it is like mainlining late eighties, early nineties into your veins. Uh, yeah. The cast is insane, bonkers. Oh, the cast is just—it's like disgusting. Shit, uh, everybody is in this thing. Yeah, it's wild. Christian uh, Slater and Patricia Arquette play the uh, titular characters, um, Clarence and uh, and Alabama Warley. Um, uh, Dennis Hopper plays. Uh, uh, Clarence's father, Val Kilmer, plays a, a ghost of Elvis who tells Clarence to murder. Um, weird. But all right. Gary Oldman plays like a Haitian white guy, drug dealer, prost pimp thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brad, Brad Pitt plays a stoner roommate. 
<laughs> it's just wild. Uh, That's these character descriptions are fucking amazing. It's, it's insane. Also, Pretty like really this is like a real. Brad Pitt's like precursor almost to like Cliff from like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, like, and I, I have a I have a, a a comment about Brad Pitt, but I'll save it for later. Christopher Walken. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he plays. Um, I don't remember his character's name exactly because I think he's only Don. Uh, he was the Don. I just can't remember his exact name either. It's, um, I um, think it was like he was like Vinci, not Vincenzo, but I can't. Yeah, remember. Vincenzo Cody. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, and then also we have uh, like even more than that. Um, oh yeah, Vincenzo Cocody. Uh, uh, there's uh, Samuel L. Jackson is in it briefly as Big Don. Uh, Michael Rappaport, yeah, Michael, Michael, Rappaport. Rappaport. Michael Rappaport playing uh, uh, Dick, blackest the, uh... white man alive. Michael <laughs> Rappaport. <laughs> um, uh, Saul Rubinick is Lee Donowitz. Um, James Gandolfini is in it as Virgil, precursor to The Sopranos beating. Yeah, beating up, he's uh, basically Patricia just Arquette. Tony Soprano in this yeah. movie. This is basically just Tony Soprano beating the shit out of like one of his gumos. Like, yeah, that's basically what that scene is. like. And then, uh, and then you have Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore, another two nineties. Uh, icons who who would later show up in Tarantino films and such Which as the, the two I detectives. My girlfriend walked in while it was a Chris Penn scene, and she's like, "Who is that?" And I was like, "It's Chris Penn." She's like, "Is that like Sean Penn's brother?" I was like, "Yeah." Do you not realize this is just Fat Sean Penn? And she's like, oh. <laughs> "Like, um." And this this movie is so like to sum it up pretty quickly. Uh, we'll get into our favorite scenes and stuff. I'm it's not going to go. I'm not going to go through. So bonkers. It's dude. so wild. I'm not going to go through the whole. We're not going to do the whole plot of the movie and stuff because this one you guys really have to watch. I mean, it is critically acclaimed. It it is very much like lightning in a bottle. Someone called it. Uh, it was a film with the flavor of cocaine bubblegum, uh, which I really like. It's it's yep. a movie where um, uh, a young man, Clarence, who works at a comic shop and loves Elvis and music, and he's very pop culture, but um, but you know he's just kind of a little weirdo. He winds up his boss winds up hiring him an an escort who comes on his birthday to meet him at the uh, at the uh, uh, theater where he's watching uh, kung fu films and uh and then they have a wonderful night together a rather intense love making scene um and then uh, and then she falls for him after this night that they spend together and she tells him the truth oh i'm i'm recently i've become this escort and uh you know but i'm willing to give it away because i love you like i'm i, I know it's crazy and he's like well i'll throw caution in the wind and say i love you too and they get married. And then from there, it's pretty much uh, 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 just mental. I mean, that alone is insane, but and it starts off like a romantic comedy. And then all of a sudden it goes yeah. into uh, Clarence goes to kill her pimp uh, played by uh, Gary Oldman on speed. I don't know what was going on with him. Um, this is the wildest. Like <laughs> Gary Oldman did a thing in the nineties, but he was just like, yeah, so I'm just gonna play like the wildest fucking villains of all time. Like in this, like in um uh Leon. Leon the professional. Um, Everyone. 
That's another one where he plays a fucked up person. There's so it's Gary. Oh, fifth, fifth element. He played fifth yes, element. He yes, plays fifth uh, element. Yeah. yeah. So like, he just Brand has a string. Dracula too. He was in. He was in Dracula. He played Dracula in uh, in um, Coppola's. In yeah, in yeah, Coppola's one. Which that's actually a really good Dracula. It is. People talk shit about it. Like people just remember that like Keanu Reeves play has like the worst accent ever. But it's like in that one, like Dracula, like the whole shadow thing is so fucking cool. Like he like just yeah. There's yeah. a lot of stuff in that movie that that is really good. There's stuff that doesn't work so much, but um, I think probably it's as like faithful as an of an adaptation of Bram Stoker's actual Dracula mm-hmm. story as you can get. But anyway. We digress. So yeah. he goes, uh, Clarence goes to kill Drexel, Gary Oldman, uh, his pimp or, uh, or Alabama's pimp. And, uh, and, um, he, uh, in the scuffle after he has, uh, committed the deed, which we will talk about, he, uh, he steals a bag thinking or a suitcase thinking that it belongs to Alabama. Uh, when in fact the suitcase is full of bags of cocaine. Um, and like millions of dollars worth of cocaine. Yeah. A lot of million dollars. Yeah. Like a million dollars worth. And, uh, if not, or what does he say? Or it's $500,000 worth or something like that. Or I I can't, a lot of money. Uh, and uh, and you have to understand this is also in the nineties. So, so $500,000 is probably like a million dollars, uh, in our money at that time. Uh, so he, he, uh, hightails it out of there, uh, visits with his dad. His dad helps him out. Uh, he's a cop and finds out if, uh, you know, if there's any evidence of, of his Clarence and Alabama's wrongdoings and, uh, and he escapes to Hollywood to sell the cocaine, thinking that everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be good. And then, bam, you wake up one day and uh, James Gandolfini's in your bedroom beating the shit out of you, um, trying to find his drugs. So, you know, uh, and then it just goes kind of all out gangster. It, it starts as this very, uh, you know, kind of rom-com, upbeat, fantasy uh, you know, romantic film and then just goes on this weird, wacky, wild journey of insane characters and moments and people just lucking into Whoa. things happening. And then the Tarantino fast dialogue and Tony Scott's like early Tony Scott filmmaking was really, mm-hmm. really, really like uh, energetic like it's yeah it was it was so like it was like like i said like lightning in the bottle in a bottle uh well all- the best part like you can really like the, tony scott's like it's like the roller coaster scene like that mm-hmm. is like hilarious and it's like just how insane it's like shot like almost like a car chase scene like how much like cutting there is and shit but like there's almost this movie's almost like two separate movies really like there's the first half in detroit which it's almost like you know they're very hopeful and you know they have like you know ambitions of and like dreams of like a bigger life and then the second half of the movie is literally like them like living out like that fever dream almost it's in it's like yeah, there's like a very distinct cutting point where the movie shifts. Into yeah, it's, madness. it's after it's after he picks up. Uh, it's after Virgil, um, James Gandolfini's character beats up Alabama, is when it shifts. 
because then you have the the his um dick's homeboy driving in the car with the girl who for some reason just won't hide the drugs she like throws it on him they're like arguing even though she was just like blowing him like it's really i was like this is very 90s this like weird attitude thing that's going on and then uh, of course he gets uh coerced into snitching on the drug deal that they have planned and the film culminates in a uh quite a violent shootout um and uh and yeah and then uh, they also to mexico yeah and then they escape to mexico elvis comes back the vision of elvis that comes back at one point um uh there's uh you know just brad pitt just you know just being ignored and he just seems like the chillest guy ever but no one wants to listen to him man man. he's just smoking weed out of that honey bear i love the the (laughs) part when he's like um when when virgil shows up and then he's like oh well you should come back and hang out he's like yeah uh i guess maybe i will maybe i'll see you later and he leaves and brad pitt's like don't talk to me in that condescending voice. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is going on? Um, yeah, this is like, this is like mainlined late eighties, early nineties. Uh, like for many people now looking back on this, like a lot of the things that this kind of class of filmmakers did in the late eighties, early nineties uh, and throughout the nineties, became kind of like cornerstones of modern cinema like at this point we can say you know tarantino and tony scott and ridley scott and all of the kind of um uh the but specifically tony scott and tarantino the people who were not necessarily uh they were the the, like the pop culture filmmakers you could include like michael mann yeah 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 yeah. michael mann that's a good one um people who who made kind of like blockbuster films that weren't even spielberg to a degree that were not necessarily trying to be like high art but were very self-aware of cinema of cinematic history of uh pop culture specifically with tarantino this film is like it's like a pop culture whirlwind Uh, And a lot of the stuff that came from early Tarantino and from Tony Scott and Michael Mann and all all those, uh, that kind of class of filmmakers have become kind of cornerstones of our cinematic understanding now. But at the time that this came out, everybody was like, what the fuck is going on? And, um, And even to this day, after not watching it for 10 years, I watched it again and was like, dog, this is nuts. This is off. This is, they let the dogs off the leash with this one. People going nuts. Emerson, how did you feel watching it again last night? Oh, it was it was a blast to revisit it. I love this movie. I just feel like I could watch it over and over again, despite some of the moments being just unbearably overwhelming, like in terms of just action and suspense. Like, and there's some moments that are, you know, by today's standards, a little bit cringe, but also hilarious. You know, like uh, the famous Sicilian scene. Mm-hmm. right you know but it's still so genius uh well, it's so just, cutting edge that scene yeah is insane like the fact like <laughs> i remember like the first time like because that's like a scene that you, you kind of like like if you were a fan of like tarantino you and like you didn't know about true romance but like you heard about it like that's the scene you heard about was like dude 
Because firstly, it's Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken, which is just a fucking duo. Like that is Bad just duo. that is just all in, dude. Like I think Dennis Hopper may be one of the sickest dudes ever. Like <laughs> Hell yeah. all time, truly one of the greatest American actors, just, undoubtedly. Just one of the all time greatest dudes. He is in the dude hall of fame in my book. That is a <laughs> chiller. One hundred percent. He he's a total class act, like t- top notch. Oh yeah, great actor. Every performance I've seen him in, he's been incredible. My first introduction to him was is back in the day. I loved the Super Mario Brothers movie, and he was, yeah. He played, he played uh, King Koopa, and but that was when I was a really young kid. Even now, I go yeah. back and I just love it for the nostalgic factor. But oh man, Dude, he, that, he is just unbelievable. And yeah, that scene in particular is just stands out. But uh, honestly, man, I just think that this movie is really overlooked in the grand scheme of things in terms of Quentin Tarantino's oh, yeah. filmography. Obviously, he didn't direct it. Tony Scott did. No. Is great in his own rights. Which this movie is such a perfect blend of Tony Scott and Tarantino. So like it's just the perfect blend. It really is. Like they give they give both of themselves artistically to this movie and it's put mm-hmm. it's put on display. And I think that it's just it's so well written. Like you you mentioned this earlier, Otis, but yeah, um, Christian Slater's character Clarence is very much like Quentin Tarantino himself, you know, this mm-hmm. very kind of overly obsessed with pop culture just loves watching kung fu flicks and almost reminds me of like uh you know how i would imagine like some of the wu-tang guys being absolute outside of you know being rappers and being from you know where they grew up like just you know that kind of like those kung fu flicks are the same films that they would watch and like I just know that Quentin Tarantino was actually obsessed with watching those movies. Yeah, it's funny that, like, I didn't mean to do this in preparation, but I just coincidentally did. I listened to uh, Quentin Tarantino's interview with Mark Maron on WTF, Hmm. and he was basically explaining how, like, when he was a kid, he, uh, his stepdad would show him all these like sick movies, a lot of Kung Fu movies and stuff, and just like all types of movies, Westerns and, you know, all the shit you've known to come to know that like is very distinctively Tarantino shit. So, and his stepfather would like tell him everything like about, oh, that's this actor. They're in this movie. They're in that movie and all these connections. And Tarantino is like saying as a kid, he literally thought like, being a film expert was like a thing you could do. You could just be the guy that knows everything about film. And, you know, essentially Quentin Tarantino is now the guy. Like when you think of, oh, who's the biggest, most like repulsive film nerd that's a famous person? It's him. probably Tarantino. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you listen to if you listen to him on any podcast, like the way that he can recollect and and recall and he's like Alex Jones for film. Yeah, it's It's like he'll be like, oh, it's like the he'll he'll call back a film from 1942. He'll call back one specific scene and one specific camera movement. He'll be like, well, yes, I was very influenced, or 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 I can see the influence of such and such director from his 1942 film such and such where on the third scene where they're on the balcony the camera moves in a kind of uh conical clown 
counterclockwise conical movement and mm-hmm. Uh, and it, they, this this director replicated it and blah blah blah, and he doesn't have books in front of him. He doesn't. He just knows all of it. He's like able to recall stuff that's like it's like mental. I listened to him on yeah. on uh, he was on three episodes of the Rewatchables, and he was talking about Dunkirk, and I was like, mm-hmm. dude, how do you know so much stuff? I know a lot about film. I know nothing compared to him. He's the ocean. I'm a little river. Like. This guy's he's he's nuts. And it shows in this film, even though it's he just wrote it like his kind of awareness, uh, as both of you said, blended so well with Tony Scott's filmmaking style. And it just made this like wild, wacky, electric romance thriller crime movie that I think like blew a lot of people out of the water. And that's why I said to, to people now we're so used to Tarantino isms and Scorsese isms and, you know, all these people have become kind of pillars in cinema. But I mean, the stuff that happened in this film, like I don't was reservoir dogs out. Maybe it was the same year or the year. before. He actually, um, from what I know, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure he sold the script to Tony Scott to fund Reservoir Dogs. So I think Reservoir Dogs came out like the next, the either the same year or uh, Reservoir Dogs 90. came out the year before. So Reservoir Dogs was '92, oh. and then oh, okay. True Romance was '93. So, so, the, so there was some co- there was some context for the film being mm-hmm. written by Quentin Tarantino, but like, yeah, even sure. even yeah, at that, well, even yeah. at that at that time though like it's so it like if you talk about two filmmakers firing on on all cylinders and working perfectly in unison you watch this film and you can tell just from watching it if you didn't know who was involved in this that it's a tony scott mm-hmm. film and a quentin Tarant- and a quentin tarantino film like yeah. it's it's like so blatantly obvious but at that time you know, the world didn't know as much about Tarantino as we do now. So like, yeah, you I know, mean, Tony Scott was a huge name. Like at this point, like he did Top Gun, like yeah. Top Gun was the biggest fucking movie ever. Oddly, we're in 2022 and it's the biggest fucking movie ever again. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> uh, everything. Uh, what does he say? Time is a flat circle. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this this movie is like so bombastic. I honestly rewatching it, I was like almost flabbergasted by like how once you get past that that initial kind of like fairy tale romance stuff at the start, how breakneck this film moves. And then all of a sudden, as Oda said, about halfway through or or maybe three acts in, uh, it just changes. And and it becomes even more tense and violent and culminating in this crazy shootout in a hotel and uh you know the 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 uh, coalescence of uh of uh, the confluence of of the police the mafia and of Clarence and and Co uh, yeah. in this huge kind of like you know, crescendo moment um, it's just. It's just fucking rules. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. It's I would, like a, I would describe it as like a comedy of errors. Like, it's kind of like the only other thing that like 
kind of is similar to this specific movie other than like you know other tarantino movies or like you know other sort of uh tony scott crime movies is like you know coen brother movies where it's like a comedy of error just kind of like people kind of like bumbling around and somehow just ending up in the most wild situation like like they just happen to steal a bag of cocaine and then go and then like i don't know like the whole scene like everyone at some point in this movie realizes they're like in over their head like clarence realizes he's in over his head on drexel like uh dennis hopper then the whole sicilian scene like that's the reason he even says that whole thing about sicilians being black and like is just to enrage Christopher yeah. Walken because he knows he's going to die anyway. So he that might as well was... die on top, knowing that yeah. he struck this dude's nerve. So yeah. like there's a lot of 90s attitude in this. Like this is very much like a, a late 80s, early 90s like attitude kind of like, but it's also very like subtle. Like it's it, it yeah. this it's so well made that the tone shifts all the time between comedy to tension to uh kind of like bubblegum romance. Like it's just, it's, it's just, it's just a fun ride. I was so glad you suggested that you watch that we watch this um, yeah. Emerson. Cause like I hadn't seen it in a long time and I remembered that it was awesome, but I was like, yo, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, what do we think? Do we have any favorite scenes? Does anyone want to want to start it off? Favorite scenes, Ooh. favorite moments. Ooh. Uh, it's there's so many. It's hard, almost hard to narrow it down. Um, uh, obviously, like the uh, the uh, the this first like the scene with Drexel where it's like the first drug deal where he kills Samuel Jackson and the other guy. Mm. That They're talking about fun. about whether or not pussy. people eat. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he just shoots him for no reason. Like they don't even explain why. He just gets up, yeah. picks up a shotgun, and shoots him. That's wild. Um, uh, that's I, I, that's a good one. I mean, obviously the the scene with Christopher Walken and. And Dennis Hopper is is Sicilian scene now. Yeah, it's infamous. infamous. Um, Oh, the elevator scene when Clarence just pulls the gun out on the guy when he's got the wiretap. Oh yeah, and he just really grandly freaks out. He's just like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, man." It's just like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And the cops. Every time it cuts to the cops, and they're just like, "Man, this I love this guy. This guy's crazy." (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, all that I love that that like the cuts to the cops listening to the wiretap is like one of the it's like it's just really subtly hilarious. It's uh what else? I mean I, I, the whole thing just goes roller coaster scene is really great. Um uh I like any of the scenes with Brad Pitt. I think that he's so funny. In oh, this. he's, <laughs> he's yeah. so so, great so funny. Like um all those, when all the guys come to the house looking for Clarence and he just completely tells him where he is. Yeah. Immediately. Oh yeah, man. He's like down the street. Do you want to watch, do you want to come in and watch some TV? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, and he's so, so stone faced too. Okay. Here's my Brad Pitt 
thing. Watching this movie, um, and of course I have the the ability to or the um the the benefit of hindsight, but Brad Pitt is really acting in this movie and he's not really doing much, but like I was looking at him on the with the way he just kind of stares blank faced. Like it's kind of hard to do that without like laughing because mm. of the absurdity of the scene. And he just looks brain dead. And I was like, this, uh, this dude is acting. Like, this guy is going. I don't think it's that much of a stretch for Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt seems like he just smokes mad weed. <laughs> he just knew how to act. Yeah, maybe at that time. Yeah, you're right. Which I know, I know he definitely smokes mad weed now. Because I was listening to his interview with Mark Marin of when him and Leonardo DiCaprio did it together talking about Once Upon a Time. And, like, Brad Pitt was just like, yeah, man, I was just, like, hang out, smoke weed, like, it's chill. Like, (laughs) Brad Pitt's a chiller, dude. He's a certified chiller. Yeah. um, That, I mean, obviously the scene with Drexel, the the Clarence and Drexel meeting each other um, uh, is really great and super violent. and I like mean, the shit Drexel says, like the whole thing of him like swinging the light back and forth, like the shit Drexel's saying is like actually like really like wild and like menacing. And it's like, oh shit, this dude is like really threatening and like bad. But like, if a man looked like that and had that accent and was saying wild shit to me, I'd be like, what the fuck is going? What? <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. What door did I walk through in the fucking Funnyville? Like when? <laughs> when did I fall through the looking glass? Like what, yeah. what is happening here? Um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, um, obviously, shadow. I mean, everybody in this film does a really good job. I was thoroughly surprised looking back, and I, I mean this in the most complimentary way that how beautiful Patricia Arquette was. I was, I texted Otis and was like, wow, like she's, wow. She's hot. Yeah. Like I was like, wow. She just, she looks like, like a pop art character come to life. You know, like she, Mm -hmm. she's, it's like the, uh, what she's wearing, what the, the, the costume design was amazing because every time you see her, she just looks like this, cartoon bombshell woman and her personality is so bubbly and so you know just out there it it, it, i was like wow this is you know you couldn't really get away with that i think now but she killed i don't know you probably good because like she's such a likable character like she really is you're just like oh she like like, and she, like, lays it out, like, at the beginning, like, too, of, like, after she sleeps with, like, Clarence, she's like, I haven't been, like, doing this for a long time. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm, like, you know, I'm not dumb. Like, you know. That's true. And, and she, like, look, and, great. like, you, like, and look, like, even in the fight, like, she's smart. She overcomes fucking Tony Soprano. Like, yeah. yeah. And that, was, uh, and that was when James Gandolfini was sorry to interrupt you, Emerson, but that was when James Gandolfini was still pretty like svelte. Like he was he yeah. looked like strong fat. Um yeah. and uh I mean, yeah, he's always been like a barrel chested yeah, yeah. kind of like just 
big guy. But it's yeah. it's younger James Gandolfini, and he and he's actually quite intimidating in this. But I just yeah, Patricia Arquette. I was very surprised. The one thing I also I, I couldn't get over though is what was going on with Christian Slater's hair. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. Like, I is that uh, was that a popular cut? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Is it kind of like spiked up? Yeah, Yo, it's kind like, of, I don't man. Know. I feel like it was that that time. I feel like I I actually thought that too. I was wondering about his hair as well, and just it's it's something about how it's spiked. I don't know. I feel like that is a very early nineties haircut. He, he looks yeah, like or like a late character. '90s thing. Like he looks like he probably like he he would have definitely listened to like some Forty One like later on. Yeah, in life, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Could be, uh, it could that's be like fine. early Y two K. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's uh, maybe he's sort of ahead of his time with this like sort of was, pop punk character. Swag was definitely ahead of its time. Yeah, that scene with James Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette when he's just punching her over and over is so brutal. Is so yeah. hard to watch, um, and, and it's so fucked up so that they like uh, like intercut it with like these hilarious scenes of just you know Christian Slater just like mulling around. He's like explaining this Elvis article, and it just cuts back to her just getting the shit kicked out of her. It's just like I want to laugh, but it's also you know, well that's one of the brutalized. That's one of the Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, he loves the to to put the kind of tongue in cheek humor like with the juxtaposition. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like in, um, uh, what's it called? Django. When they, they have the, the, the clan rides down on yeah. the dentist and they're all trying to figure out how they can't see. Cause nobody put the holes in the masks. <laughs> yeah. and, it's oh, yeah. like, and it's like, it's like, they're going to lynch somebody. Like, this is not like a funny thing, but they're like talking about, how like who didn't put the holes in the mask and it was so-and-so's wife and they're all arguing amongst themselves and like well should we just call it off like (laughs) it's it's so funny but you're (laughs) like this is not a funny time to laugh and he just that's very that's a very very tarantino trope in film i was thinking that too when they were going back and forth between the the james gandolfini just absolutely uh beating the uh, snot out of Patricia Arquette. And then yeah. he's like, oh, did you read the article about Elvis yet? <laughs> you know, it goes back to me. He's like, well, they look at it from different points of views of fans, of of other musicians, of whatever. And then it goes back and she's like getting thrown through a, a bathroom wall <laughs> or a shower curtain or a shower wall. Wild, wild stuff. And the ending is wild too. The whole thing. Is this is one of those? I I really like the the who was it that said uh, uh, the it was rotten or was it Rotten Tomatoes or uh, where was it that I saw that uh, Empire Empire said uh, it, the Tony Scott's handling of Quentin Tarantino's script came off like the cinematic equivalent of cocaine flavored bubblegum, a bright flavorsome confection that had an intoxicatingly violent kick. It also drew some tremendous big names to its supporting cast. It's speaking of this cast, like we already said it, but how many of these people went on to be like hangers huge, like, like yeah, pretty much everybody, in pretty world. much everybody in this wound up becoming, uh, you know, I mean, Dennis Hopper was already 
at the time, you know, and Christian Slater was, was a very much a leading man of that time. Same with Patricia Arquette, but it's the supporting cast that really went crazy. I mean, Gary Oldman, now Brad Pitt, Pitt, Mm -hmm. Christopher Walken, Sam Jackson, Mm -hmm. (laughs) James Gandolfini, obviously like, um, Chris Penn. Well, I guess, Chris Penn really was just a product of the early 90s and Tarantino films. I think I've only ever seen him in this movie and Reservoir Dogs. Mm, Chris Penn's and been in some other stuff. I can, I can find it. He was in... Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, my God. He was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, he was in the Starsky and Hutch remake. He was in Rush Hour. Yeah. He was in, so, you know, he's just kind of in general crime things, just in and around. Oh, Chris Penn's dead. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, didn't rest in peace. Happy birthday in heaven, Chris Penn. Um, yeah, no, he was in, he was in uh, some stuff. He, yeah, he, I mean, he didn't do, I guess really what you people know him from would be Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And then this, I feel like he was in something else though. I'm trying to figure out there was, had to be something that I saw him in recently. No, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just, maybe he just has a face that sticks in my head. Fat Chris Penn as, or fat Sean Penn, as you said. And then Tom yeah. Sizemore, of course, who at the time was, you know, with uh with with heat and tarantino and all those group or all those directors he was making the rounds i'm surprised that uh what's his name wasn't in it um who's the other the how come i can't remember his name the mustache machete oh oh danny treo yeah danny treo i was surprised i was like yeah i guess there's not really any like Mexican criminals in this like Ramley goes it, it kind of this movie kind of doesn't make sense that it's like the Italian mafia going down to the west coast because like the whole thing like because that's like you know they're following them down from Detroit so it's just kind of funny thinking about like the mafia in California because they're not really out there so, so like at the end in the final shootout where they're like what the fuck is that guy speaking italian like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh um well let's get to let's get a little bit of the critical reception and legacy of this because uh you know yeah. let's get to it uh the uh rotten tomatoes it holds an approval rating of 93% with an average rating of 7.5 based on 55 reviews the site's critical uh consensus states fueled by Quentin Tarantino's savvy screenplay and a gallery of oddball performances tony scott's true romance is a funny and violent action jaunt in the best sense metacritic on the other hand gave it a weighted uh average score of 59 uh indicating mixed or average reviews Audience polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of B minus, which I think is kind of criminal. Um, but on the flip side, uh, Phil uh, Villarreal of the Arizona Daily Star called it one of the most dynamic action films of the 1990s. Uh, Rolling Stone gave it three stars, uh, saying Tarantino's gutter poetry, or it's Tarantino's gutter poetry that detonates true romance. This movie is dynamite. Um, the 
Ebert gave the film a positive review and said the energy and style of the movie are exhilarating and the supporting cast is superb. A roll call of actors at home in these violent waters, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, Brad Pitt, for example. Um, some people viewed it as aesthetically corrupt uh, and uh, and had issues with it and thought it was too adult, I guess, and too stylized too much. They couldn't handle it. Um, the New York Times wrote, uh, true, a true romance, a vibrant, grisly, and gleeful, amoral road movie directed by Tony Scott and dominated by the machismo of Quentin Tarantino, who wrote this screenplay before he directed Reservoir Dogs, is sure to offend, offend a good-sized segment of the movie-going population. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's true. I, I guess we should say this. I mean, it comes with the, with – it's par for the course with Tarantino, but there this movie – uh, is not PC. Um, no, no, far from it. No, far from it. No, um, nothing Tony Scott or Tarantino has ever done could be described as PC. Like yeah, even, no. even Tony Scott's like series of movies he's did with Denzel Washington. Those movies are more or less just Denzel Washington walking into wild situations and fucking shit up. Yeah, <laughs> and just Denzel just being the fucking king. Um, um yeah, yeah no he's, man on fire for the boys yeah, this movie's for the boys <laughs> uh but it is it's a fascinating and and uh kind of energetic eclectic freight train of a movie uh can <laughs> funny because tony scott wound up going and directing that train movie um but um who train it, movies oh my Did god because he did the taking of Pelham one two three and Unstoppable. Unstoppable, that was what it's called. Oh, yeah. with Chris yeah, Pine, I remember Chris Pine. Do you know that that's one of Tarantino's favorite movies? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Uh, just a, one of his favorite. I think he. It's his favorite Tony Scott movie, which is funny considering Tony Scott made one of his scripts. But, um, uh, yeah, it was it, when good it, friends. Yeah, when it came work, out, yeah. when it came out, uh, although critical success, True, True Romance was a box office failure. It uh, only earned twelve point three million on a twelve point five billion dollar budget, uh, and uh, was considered a flop. But over the years, it developed a very strong cult following, and obviously, with the meteoric rise of Quentin Tarantino to the top of filmmaking, uh, you know, the filmmaking Mount Olympus or whatever you want to call it, top of the mountain, people would go back and 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 rewatch this because. It is just as much. I mean, this movie wouldn't work if it wasn't written by him, and if and if they didn't work, if Tony Scott didn't work mm -hmm. with what Quentin Tarantino had written, because the kind of Tarantino dialogue and the wackiness and the tongue-in-cheek humor and the hyper violence mixed with Tony Scott's filmmaking style turned this into kind of like a a a, a, a bomb. You it's know. kind of funny because um, Tony Scott's next movie, or was it his movie before this or after this, was The Last Boy Scout, which was written by Shane Black, who kind of has like a very similar style to like Tarantino, like writing wise, is that it's like, it's very funny, also has like, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, combination of comedy and violence. And, you know, they're usually like crime movies or action oriented. So it's kind of funny that 
Tony Scott went and directed two movies by these like prolific writer directors. Mm. You know, mm. yeah, it's just an observation. I mean, Shane Black is a little bit of a uh, so social ick there right now with him because of uh, some of his personal choices, but um, the uh, the are nice guys. The nice guys is a, is a prime example of, and it's more recent of of his kind of uh, yeah. mix of comedy and and violence. And that movie's Lethal great. Weapon. Yeah, right. Lethal Weapon. There you go. Um, but this movie has kind of lived on as a cult film, um, a true romance. Um, and later on, you know, it started being ranked as some of the greatest film, one of the greatest films of all time. Empire ranked at 83rd in 2017, saying Tony Scott's handling of Tarantino's script came off like the cinematic equivalent of cocaine flavor bubblegum. Yeah, that's, I already said that. Um, the Hopper walk-in scene, colloquial named the Sicilian scene, was praised by Oliver Littleton of IndieWire, who called it one of the most beautiful tete-a-tetes in contemporary cinema, wonderfully written and made utterly iconic by the two virtuoso actors. Uh, Tarantino himself named it one of his proudest moments. He said, I had heard that whole speech about the Sicilians a long time ago from a black guy who was living in my house. One day I was talking with a friend who was Sicilian, and I just started telling that speech. And I thought, wow. This is a great scene. I got to remember that. That's wild to think that he just started saying that to a random Sicilian guy. <laughs> like, I mean, because it's, it's racist. Not like. that surprising. Oh, yeah. It is 100% racist. But like, it is historically true that that's what happens. <laughs> that's what makes the scene so genius is that he says that to infuriate Christopher Walken's character because Christopher mm-hmm. Walken's character. Is and and people he's just kind of implying like an Italian stereotype of that time, which is that oh they're yeah you know, they're kind of na- very like they take a lot of pride in their nationalism yeah and uh, and, and yeah which is, that's a thing that's come up I think there's there's like parts of uh, in the Sopranos where they talk about that too like it's a it's a thing that uh, comes up if you want to piss off a Sicilian guy there's a way to do it. Very easily, <laughs> and you'll get the shit kicked out of you or shot in the head multiple times. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, it is like that scene is like mesmerizing. That whole back and forth is, is incredible. It's just the way Dennis Hopper's just like smoking this cigarette down to the filter, and yeah, like you just see like the fear just like wipe off his eyes, and he's just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just whatever and then when christopher walken's like i haven't killed a guy since 1984 and it's like damn yeah and you really pissed him off <laughs> yeah it's i was gonna say right after he shoots him and he's like he goes i haven't killed a guy since 1984 <laughs> it's just so good and then the after that, it's like and then there's the italian guy so it's like what just happened he's like well, you said Sicilian guys descended. <laughs> it's just yeah. like oh, <laughs> in Italian. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just such a good scene. Like just that whole thing is great. Um, obviously, Gary Oldman at that point was not as big of an actor as he was, and his playing of Drexel Spivey earned uh, garnered quite a lot of acclaim. Um, 
Here's something that MSN Movies wrote with just a few minutes of screen time. Gary Oldman crafts one of cinema's most memorable villains, the brutal dreadlocked pimp Drexel Spivey. (laughs) Even in a movie jammed with memorable cameos from screen luminaries, Oldman's Scarface dead-eyed lethal gangster stood out. Uh, Complex named Spivey as one of the top five coolest drug dealers in movie history writing. He's not in the film for a long time. But the few scant moments that Gary Oldman plays the psychotic dealer Drexel Spivey make true romance a classic. Oldman gave us a glimpse at one of cinema's most unfiltered sociopaths. Um, Some people even said that that was the greatest performance of his career. I would not go so far as to say that. Gary Oldman has done a lot of better stuff. Not necessarily better, but more substantial stuff. But I will say that... uh, when you see him in this film, you don't forget Drexel Spivey. Like, there's nobody yeah. else in film who looks like that, who talks like that. That whole, as Otis said, the back and forth with the light thing uh, and the way he's kind of like egging him on and intimidating him and, say, and, and saying, you know, threatening him and saying, you know, if you hadn't, if you sat down, I would have been scared because that that's a guy who has nobody, nothing to lose. Uh, but you're just standing there because you're afraid and they're going back and forth. Like that part's excellent writing. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellently done. Um, yeah, this a, a fun tidbit is that True uh, true Romance was, uh, or Floyd, Brad Pitt's character, was the inspiration for the film Pineapple Express. Makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 I heard about that too, actually. Um. Yeah, so over time, I mean, this movie has become much more of a cult classic, a uh, a uh, important film. Um, at the uh, at the time, though, it didn't you know it uh, it didn't go as crazy as it should have. I feel like I mean, critics loved it, but at the time, people probably didn't really know what to make of it. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a very much. Uh... I don't know. It's a very unique thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it blends so many different things. Like, think about it. There's like so many different villain type characters in this movie, which is like another thing that Tarantino does really well. He writes supporting characters so excellently. Like, that's why Drexel, it's only in the first act, but like you remember him, you know, like James Gandolfini's in it for a very small time. You remember that. Christopher Walken's there for one scene. It's the most iconic scene in the movie that's talked about forever. And like, it's like, it's fantastic. And even like the movie producer character, like he's kind of like a villainous type character too, but he's fantastic. Like all, all the supporting characters are so great. Everyone's just so great. It's just such a good, well-written movie, such a fucking fantastically acted casted like just yeah it's just top notch the strangest thing about the movie though that is still odd and like doesn't make sense and always took me out of the movie is that weird fucking steel drum what is that (laughs) yeah there's some weirdness with the sat like even the theme song like when it when oh, the film first started and the theme the song came on, I was like, "Is this the right movie?" Like, I'm, not, like, you know, I'm pretty sure Hans Zimmer did this the yeah. soundtrack for it, man, or the, uh, the score rather. Yeah, 
It's but it's weird. It sounds like it would make sense if this was like the music for like Twin Peaks or something. But like uh, even the beginning theme song, and it sounds a little bit like The Lion King. Yeah, it's so, wild. Yeah, like it's like about that. Like it has like a kind of tropical sound. Uh, it's very fever dreamish. But like, and then like I don't know. What gets me is that when fucking what's his name Floyd's just chilling smoking weed just jamming the sound garden I was like yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's I can vibe with that that that's yep and we're back we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there uh not much missed we were just talking about some of the trivia of the film I mean you can find it all on IMDB um but uh yeah we're back hopefully this hopefully there's no more interruptions um and uh let's talk about let's let's uh to shift gears a little bit um fine let's end it out saying we all agree true romance is incredible right oh yeah absolute certified classic absolute Uh classic there's a that we were talking about some of the the potential casting stuff that happened one of the cool things we said brad pitt he improvised most of his lines this film yeah. is considered part of the Tarantino universe. There's connections mm-hmm. to it. It's all just little stuff like that. We were, we kind of uh, we kind of missed out on because yeah. our our uh, my computer went. <clears throat> but anyway, did it get all the like the stuff like how Tarantino all, all his movies are all about like movies and stuff like that. He can read all about it if it's not in here. But yeah, Tarantino loves movies. Yeah, he's a big movie guy, and there's a lot of pop culture and cinema culture in his films. Uh, and um, um, I don't, we, I don't know if we had that. Uh, I guess we'll find out when we listen to it, when we go back and listen to it. But um, yeah, I mean, Tarantino. well, Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Tarantino, he's he's uh, he's one of the, uh, if not the film dude. Um, mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on the on the uh, on the true romance rewatch on the film. Uh, you know, what, what are we thinking now? Uh, having watched it again after 10 years. Oh, it's so much better than I remember it. Like I, there's so many scenes I did not remember from this movie. So, you know what? I'm this movie definitely slaps. I am now, I want to go watch just a bunch of fucking Tony Scott stuff now, just because now, just thinking about like Man on Fire and like Deja Vu is a Man sick movie. Man on Fire is such a good movie. Dude. God damn. Okay. If you're going to go watch, sorry. Never seen that one. I'll have to check it out. Oh, Man on Fire? oh, dude. It's awesome. Like the thing about Tony Scott movies, don't look at reviews because all the reviews are fucking wrong about Tony Scott. All his movies slap, dude. They're all sick. So never trust yeah. the critics in a lot of these yeah. cases. Like, I mean, people just hate, like, critics just really hate action movies. And, like, Tony Scott, like, he makes a specific style of action movie that's, like, this is for the boys. Like, it's not, like, it's not, like, dumb, like, say, like, Michael Bay. Like, that's kind of just, like, for the boys. But, like, Tony Scott's, like, this is for the boys, you know? Man on fire, and plus it's got Denzel just going absolutely yeah. ham. I love a movie where a guy just goes absolutely like yeah. he becomes an unstoppable force. We talk about this when we talk about the John Wick movies. Yeah. The reason why that move John Wick works is because it's like you know you play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Now the unstoppable cool yeah, ass killer out, man, out. yeah, fuck around and find out. Yeah, is he's it's it's. It, you love to see it. And that's what that movie is. It's, you know, 
they they screwed with the wrong uh, the wrong ex alcoholic uh, mercenary or whatever he was. Yeah, escort guy. Yeah, thing. security dude. Anyway, he just kills a lot of dudes. It's crazy. He goes out. Yeah. He goes. He goes. He's outside. You can catch him outside in that film. And it stands up. That man's on fire. Yeah, yeah exactly. That uh, man is on fire. That man is actually on fire. Um, Please yeah. put him out. That man's on fire. He's dying. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what was cut out when we were talking. Uh, yeah, you can whatever. find it on uh, IMDb. It's not that exciting. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, I guess shifting we'd like gears. To, yeah, shift gears. Uh, Emerson Corleone, congratulations on your new EP, Violets and Furs. Uh, done. Yo, thank you, my man. I appreciate you, bro. For real, appreciate that. Uh, done exclusively with uh, Magic Beats, who's a producer from the UK. Yeah. Yeah, who is this guy? Like, I didn't know anything about him. Like, I started following him a couple months ago, knowing that you two were doing a project together. Um, Because this project, you know, you talked about this like a while ago. And so people have known about it. But like, I started checking this guy, like his Instagram. This dude has insane beats. Where did you find this guy? And I... I really lucked out in finding magic and he shouted to him, man, because he's such a great guy and he's extremely talented and you know, he really caters to to the style that I that has mm-hmm. interests me as a late. And I got really fortunate and kind of just found him networking on Instagram. I, I found his stuff on BeatStars and I just liked a bunch of his stuff. And I think what happened is he found me on Instagram. Uh, I he just started following me one day and I just really liked his style. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he makes a lot of, in fact, uh, this new project uh, kind of reflects that. He makes a lot of drumless style beats, kind of mm-hmm. like in the style of Rock Marciano. Exactly. Uh, sort of, yeah, sort of like looped and minimal drums, kind of more bass uh, as as the main source of rhythm and melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, fewer fewer drums in there, uh, or if they are drums, they're pretty buried in the mix. But I just was very yeah. drawn to his style. But I got really fortunate, man, and he yeah he kind of found me on. Instagram that and this is a while back this is like probably almost a year ago at least like to be honest uh like if not longer than that because it was right around the time that uh in a moonlight was coming out and I was like telling him yo I want to do a project with you and um yeah I just like bought beats off of him and had stuff on the back burn and just I I had some shit and then it got scrapped and you know things got in the way and eventually we just kind of got to where we are now and it's I'm like I said I'm I'm very lucky to know him and uh, I'm really drawn to his style man yeah he and he's extremely prolific man like he's just always cooking beats it's insane he's posting new beats every week sometimes almost daily like he's he's whipping up stuff so never he never stops cooking yeah and like yeah as you said like he is you two are such like a match made in heaven like sometimes like and it's so fucking cool that like again like because you know me me and problem reader we talk to fucking wednesday a lot and we love wednesday but wednesday's got this crazy relationship with flixo who's like over in fucking sweden or some shit i don't know where right, Flixo yeah, is, but it's like it's so crazy and then you're doing shit with this guy magic beats he's over in like the uk you got mark scorn on it he's from the uk yeah that i was just i was gonna wild. bring up i was gonna bring up the i features. love that dude um 
Yeah, there's oh, some. Yeah, I love this international stuff. Like it's, I love that's like my favorite thing about hip hop now is how worldwide it is. Like you're working with people you've never even met, making bonkers music. Like this is this EP is so sick, dude. I cannot. Yeah. Damn, thank you. We appreciate that for real. Uh, it's it's really really good. I was a little bit hesitant at first because, um although I like beats like minimal beats, like sample driven beats with like minimal drums and stuff like that. I, I kind of was like, you know, to me, those are like, I don't know how it's very rare that I can sit down and listen to like a bunch in a row, even with like rock Marciano, like I'm a, a drum guy. Like I, I like drums. So sometimes I'll yeah. be like, I'll get, sure. you know, I'll, I'll listen to a couple songs and I'll be like, okay, like, I'm going to switch to like someone else in the same realm, but with some drums and come back and finish it. Um, it, it some, sometimes it, it isn't to my taste. Uh, I use rock Marciano as the example because he's like the highest, like most well known, I guess of doing that. Um, wow, and yeah. I, and I do really like and respect rock Marcy. Uh, what I was really surprised is how how easy it was to listen to your ep like i listened to it i think two or three times the first night that it came out and how well it flowed together how well put together it was the features um when i first saw i thought oh that's a lot of features for five songs but the way that they're kind of put together in the track list and um and the you know the the way that you put it together it just winds up adding kind of a uh, I mean, your bars are phenomenal, obviously, but it adds this kind of like variation that I found very appealing, like variation in timber and tone of voice and rapping styles that made it kind of engaging for me. And I was, it was really easy for me to listen to it. Um, so much so that I listened to it once and then I went back and listened to it again. Uh, so, you know, congrats on that for putting something together that's just yeah. so phenomenal and well put together and well thought out i just thought it yeah I mean, like to add so on to you. add on that like i i told you that like when i proposed doing this episode to you i was telling you like this is such a smooth and quick listen and i mean that in like the best compliment ever because it's like it's a 14 minute project and like the thing is like i can't pick out a song because like I just want to listen to it front to back. Like it works so well as just a cohesive five song project that I'm just like, sure. I could, you know, listen to the song that I love with Mark Scorn. Cause I fucking, that dude's awesome. Or I could just play it front to back and I'll hear that song. And then I can just go back and do it again. Like it is so smooth and the beats it's all within the same realm that there's like nothing it's just this really smooth listen and like as reader was saying like it's got like the rock marcy style but like you know it's got like remnants of like stuff like knowledge and like even some like alchemist style like some of the sampling style like i don't know if those are actual samples or if that stuff magic made himself and then did his own samples of his own shit like it's just it's just so cohesively like yeah on inner moonlight inner moonlight was such a great cohesive album and like it had a lot of cool guitar stuff on that and had a lot of like you know it had all and like lyrically you're always on point but like i think this one like 
the vision from artwork to beats to the samples to features i think this is like the fucking apex of like the best thing you've done i like i can honestly say it. it's so good dude yeah, oh, thank was, you so much, man. I'm I, I'm just so taken back and thankful for your guys' kind words. Seriously, I'm I'm humbled and so grateful. Thank you so much for real. Well, I mean, of course, you know, I loved Inner Moonlight. And I love the fact that there's one of the things that I will say about the about the production in this is and Otis brought it up and was very clear about it, uh, but it's also something I feel so I'm I'm adding to it is that there was enough variation between the songs um, kind of like the, the where you're drawing the samples from and the, and the way that you're weaving them, how some of them sounded. I like that you brought up alchemist and knowledge where some of it sounded kind of like soul sampley and whatever. And then there's, uh, is it the Gorgon that samples? I felt like there was a movie sample or something or like a, there was there was something in there I recognized, and it was something completely out of left field. I can't remember which which song it was. Um, it might have been Suicide Ski Patch, actually. Yeah, there was a movie sample like in the hook. Yeah, um, I think I think that that is that the one with New Villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and just the way that it was all weaved together, and the subtle variations of of choices of kind of where they're you're picking your samples from. And, and how it, but then it still maintains this like great cohesiveness. It's not boring to listen to. And sometimes I find with, uh, beats that are minimalist that if you, it's just kind of like drawing from the same inspiration on every song, it's like, okay, here's a soul sample. Here's a soul sample. Here's a soul sample. Here's a soul sample. And and there aren't very many features and stuff. As I said, I can get kind of like bored with it. Whereas this, the way you put it together, the length of it, the the subtle variations and choices in the um, sampling and the, you know, even some of the stuff that you're doing with your rapping and the flows and then bringing in very talented features in uh, and making this project, I, I have to echo otis's statement like it's just such a good listen um and i'm less of a minimalist minimalist beat guy but i it it i agree that i think that it is probably the most focused and the artwork is incredible shout out to your partner and what she did with the cover that's it's amazing work man i'm so taken back by by how talented she is and yeah she really was uh, graced me with that cover and I'm, I feel very thankful uh, that she got to contribute to it and at the end of the day I think that the project you know what makes it so great is that and um, it's it's a product of of, of a community and uh, and a collective and and of, of collaborators and you know because like I, I've kept the other projects pretty minimal on the features not and not because I don't love working with other people it's just that you know that it was covid like especially inner moonlight didn't really have any features because you know it was covid and nate and i were kind of just doing it but you know Mm -hmm. i wanted to step back and do something that was truly you know a a collaborative effort and shout out to mac 11 too out in florida and pinoy too who featured on it and mac did all the the mixing and mastering and he's gonna help me put together um uh, some cassettes too and uh he's gonna help uh put those together and we 
yeah, we got all this stuff on the way, so that's going to be coming too. Um, but yeah, so it's just really like a, a community effort. And yeah, Mark Scorn, of course, unbelievable talent and everybody on there. Obviously, I mentioned Mac and Pinoy, but those guys are incredible what they do and they're hugely talented and uh and mark and of course new villain just is yeah unbelievable too man and and the stuff that those guys are doing and just to be able to work with all those guys of course magic is just as uh is an honor so I, I feel blessed that uh you know the project came together like it did and it's yeah it's definitely a product of of uh collaboration and and networking and just yeah being able to have like a roster of you know dope people that are influenced by the same music you know from different parts of the world yeah well i mean i remember when you showed me mark scorn's music uh before and i gotta say i love that dude's accent <laughs> like oh yeah that man. song same, like, same I, was here, like I was like i was like i mean rap. you know i love uk hip-hop like i'm i'm already mm. like i'm i'm a big uh grime fan and and oh, yeah. just UK hip hop in general. And so like I when you had showed me Mark Scorn, I was like, oh, here's somebody rapping like like mm-hmm. like New York like East Coast style, but with a British accent kind of. And it just was like it made me go like, yeah. And then yeah. when I was listening oh, to the album real, or when I was listening to the EP and I didn't look at who was on the track. Like I didn't look at the track list. I just pressed play. And then he came out. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> so shout out. Yeah, him. He's, 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 he's a killer. There are every, all the features did such a good job. And of course you did too. Like, but that's oh, to be expected. Cause you know, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in, we've both been in close contact with your, uh, your pen, uh, uh, and your abilities for many years, but um, I think it was just so well put together, such a focused effort, and yeah. So if you're listening to this and you like hip hop, uh, check out uh, Emerson Corleone' new EP uh, of Violets and Furs, uh, done in collaboration with Magic Beats. Uh, it's on all streaming services, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And Bandcamp too. Just threw it up on Bandcamp the other day. But nice, nice. Hell yeah. Get it for free on all the streaming services. Or toss a few bucks through Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp's yeah, right. awesome. Or yeah, if anyone, if any of your favorite artists have a Bandcamp, go through Bandcamp. Bandcamp's actually tight, and yeah. people yeah. actually get paid through Bandcamp. Yeah, I so, I would yeah. actually suggest that if you want to support uh, financially, if you're from other places in the world, that is the easiest way to do it because a lot of us local artists. Uh, uh, are still relatively local due to the lifting pandemic and uh, also just, you know, playing shows. It, you might get a bit of money, but it's, you know, playing shows is is and selling merch will get you a bit of money, but, and streaming will get you a bit of money. But if you buy an EP or buy an album on Bandcamp, that's like streaming the thing like a million times. Like it's, you know, or like a couple thousand times. So it's it's if you really want to support that's the best way go through Bandcamp or of course come out to a show buy merch whatever but um in these in these strange times where we're half inside half outside you know oh did it happen again uh no it didn't happen again we're good um the uh it's it's that would have uh, been hell i would just start smashing my head <laughs> onto my desk 
Honestly, you my would have just started hearing the smashing bro, of the my, keyboard. My computer is going through it. It's gonna. I'm when when I go away, uh, it's gonna be very happy because it's gonna be turned off and allowed to sit unused. Because finishing this album has been pushing it quite to the limits. Uh, so you know, I apologize, but uh, you know, albums got to get done. Um, but yeah, no. Bandcamp, great way to support. What is the Bandcamp link? EmersonCorleone.bandcamp.com. Absolutely, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. Well, uh, go check out Violets and Furs. Uh, anything else you want to add, Otis or or Emerson? I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on yet again. It's it's an honor to be on here. I love this podcast. So to join you guys great you guys are insanely knowledgeable so it's it's just a pleasure to be on here with you guys thank you man it's always a pleasure having you on open invitation whenever you want to come on whenever you have a movie that you're just or music or anything you're just itching to just talk about or just want to talk some bullshit man come on you're you're Open invitation. Oh yeah, you, it's, it's you are, a, you're a certified bird boy. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's yeah, an open yeah. invitation. And oh, and thank you for suggesting such a great film. Yeah. Uh, it was a blast to go back and rewatch it after so long. And um, and you know, it was it's really great to kind of uh, it's one of those films. Like I think I watched it a couple times when I was in high school, and maybe like once or twice uh in my university times. But then it's one of those films, I just don't know why. It just never went around back to watching it. And uh, and this gave me a reason to and to look at it with a critical eye and be like, oh, yeah, this is why this works so well. Tony Scott firing at, at batting 100 or 500 or whatever the saying is, batting, going crazy. And, and, and Tarantino, young Tarantino, uh, and seeing kind of the roots of a lot of the things that would become his kind of Tarantino-isms. Um, and it's just a great film. It's just it's just yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Definitely for the boys, though. Definitely. Uh... For sure. <laughs> for sure, bud. All right, well, do we have anything to plug? We've already plugged Emerson Corleone, Violets and Furs. Uh, go listen to Inner Moonlight. Go listen on 35mm. Go listen to um, the Stadium Collection. Uh, am I missing any of them? I, I feel like I'm. I'm. Uh, I might be missing them. One. Oh, oh one and, night in the cemetery. Only, <laughs> listen to yeah, one, one night in the cemetery. Back, back country with Mac Eleven too. Oh, yeah. uh, on SoundCloud, yeah, we got the sequel to that shit coming, and it's oh, fucking hell yeah. crazy. It's I uh, forgot that, about that project. That project yeah, is sick too, dude. Oh yeah, we got the the sequel to that is. Is gonna be all original beats. Our nice. boy Seastone Leon out in uh, Nova Scotia. So Honestly, I like when people do mixtapes. I think that's like a really under when people do mixtapes where they just go over sick beats that people know already. It's just like, man, that's so fun. Like, yeah, that's the that's days. yeah, that's just the fun part of rap. It's like, man, I just want to rap on this beat because it's like sick. Like, because one of my favorite things ever was the original like odd future tape or the radical or whatever where like oh, when they yeah. go over like gucci mains uh orange juice or lemonade or whatever the fuck it's called and like it's just like oh, hearing absolutely. tyler and earl on that beat it's just like yes yeah, yes that's, that's, yeah. And, and the other one too that i love is uh 
the clips mixtapes uh we got it for cheap oh, yeah uh, like those ones like they're rapping over like wu-tang beats and nice you gotta uh, love the clips clips yeah, go so they're hard just, they're insane. They, we got it we got it for cheap volume two that that one is just crazy <laughs> Um, right. well, oh, we the big Sean mixtapes also good. The finally famous mixtapes slap and he goes over all the sickest beats. Oh yeah, man. See, it just, it's, I, it gives you a lot more creative ability to be able to just rap on whatever you want and to rap on stuff that inspires you. Now, obviously original beats do the same thing, but it's just, it's a different feeling to rap on something that one of your idols raps on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, and it gives you a little bit of fire. It's also more fun. Like I think it is, yeah. it is a bit more fun because you're not like, I think a lot of mixtapes are just people trying to spaz out on beats that they love, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. and it's a lot less uh, trying to craft a song from scratch. Instead, it's just like, Hey, we're going to wild out on this Gucci main beat or this, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to rap on this Wayne beat and go, you know, oh, yeah. go in. Um, hell yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Check out back country on your, on the uh, Emerson Corleone SoundCloud. It's also on the cemetery sound page. It was reposted. And um, as far as my announcements, September 2nd on infinite repeat, just finished the last song. Uh, and, uh, and finally, and um, now I'm just going to, Make sure all the mixes are good and submit it, and it will be out. It's been a labor of love. It's been a lot of uh, a lot of hard work. So I really hope anybody who's listening, if you like pop music or alternative music, you give it a listen. Um, I tried my best with this one, and I'm pretty proud of what what came out of it. And there'll be some music videos and all that stuff in the fall. Uh, but yeah, September second on Infinite Repeat, all streaming platforms on the Cemetery Sound SoundCloud and on Bandcamp. So, you know, maybe you could go and uh, buy Violets and Furs if you like it. And then if you like uh, on Infinite Repeat, you could buy it too and uh, put a little shekels in our pockets to continue to make art. Um, what about you, Otis? You got anything to promote? Uh, nothing as of now. Something's coming out in the uh, coming months, just working out details and thingies like that. Um, but yeah, you know, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Otis Morris Dude. That's where it's at. But yeah, maybe some music and stuff coming out soon. Um, that's me, uh, Emerson. What do you got? Oh, I just want to say thanks again, man. Can't wait for on Infinite Repeat, man. I can't. I'm really excited for that. Uh, and yeah, just keep supporting the the Bird Boys, Bird Protocol, man. Honored to be on here again. Love uh, hell yeah! Here. Where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so I just go on as my personal name at Aiden Hunt on Instagram. That's where you'll find me most prominently. Um, and yeah, so that's if you want to get in contact with me or find my music, that's usually the best place to reach me. Fair enough. And I'm at P A L M R E A D R. That's Palm Reader without the last E uh on instagram and plmrdr on twitter i uh, don't know what we're gonna do next week but we'll probably do something a little bit different um uh maybe maybe a tv show maybe i don't know we'll see knows, maybe a video game know. who knows we'll do something different uh we will be taking a the uh following week off as uh as i will be away intercontinental yeah uh, but I have then, an idea. I may. I, I I thought of an idea for some content to drop. So I'll, I'll talk to you 
about that. Oh, so maybe there. there will be something dropping uh, with with Otis and and whomever else. Uh, and then we'll be back to regular scheduled programming the following week. Uh, that day, uh, the day we will drop will be the date of On Infinite Repeat dropping, as well as my birthday. So um, I guess I'll come up with some good birthday pick for us to talk about. Uh, but nice. but uh, yeah, so that's the rest of the month, the rest of the summer. We'll be back next week with uh, with something different. and uh, And then, yeah, I guess Otis has something up his sleeve for while I'm away. Thank you again, Emerson Corleone, for coming on the show. Uh, congratulations on a fantastic EP. Uh, and shout out to Magic Beats and New Villain and Pinoy and Mark Scorn and um, Mac. I always forget the number. Mac 11? Oh, Mac 11. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, oh, dude, no, shout out, shout out all those, all those fine uh, artists and, and, uh, and creatives. Yeah. And you guys did a bang up job with all of that. Everybody should go stream it. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Remember, initiate the protocol. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Peace. Peace.